Welcome to The Marketing Commute, a podcast that explores the roads taken and lessons learned for the best and brightest in marketing today. I'm Mike Boyd and joining me on The Commute this time are Andrew Baxter, Senior Advisor at KPMG Australia. Hi Mike. And Professor Vince Mitchell, Professor of Marketing at the University of Sydney Business School. Good day. This episode of The Marketing Commute, it's all about effectiveness. We're talking with Tracy Orford, who's the global CEO of the EFIs. And in the marketing minute, we'll be looking at the 10 principles of modern marketing. All right, let's go. All right, gentlemen, what uh, what's caught your eye this week? Well, for me, it was, it was a big week for the EFIs, which are the effectiveness awards that are held around the globe. And they announced the winners in the US and uh, APAC. And there was a few Australian campaigns that did quite well. Certainly Tourism Australia's Dundee campaign that came out in the Super Bowl in 2018. Uh, that picked up a coveted gold effie. And, and in the APAC Awards in Singapore, KFC's Bucketheads campaign did well, uh, as did uh, Swan Insurance's uh, one. So, yeah, really big week in the effies. And for me, it was this ad fraud problem. $23 billion that it costs. Seems to be like a major issue we should be addressing. Yeah, I've seen this. I think a company called Check, I think it is. So, uh, yeah, let's dig a little deeper on all of those things. That Dundee campaign, you just cannot deny that that was just a masterpiece. It, it was. It was a very, very successful campaign. Um, and I think a big leap of faith for the team at Tourism Australia to go down that path. It was uh, some uh, a marketing campaign that hadn't really been done on that scale before for probably 25 years since the, the Paul Hogan days. And, and it was so integrated in, in how it worked. It wasn't just a Super Bowl ad. We had the teasers to start with. Mm. They'd worked really closely with uh, the trade to make sure that, uh, you know, once US um, citizens wanted to look at uh, having a holiday in Australia, that they were all locked in with packages, etc. So it was really well thought out all the way through, which is, I think, why it did so well in the Effies. But but the, but the real special aspect for me was yeah uh, it was a piece of marketing magic, yeah because it uh, exemplified one of the principles of magic and that is misdirection. It misdirected the audience to think it was an actual you know, new film mm. when it wasn't, and people in their millions believed it. Right? I mean that yeah is 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 a feat to pull off of marketing magic yeah of a grand order. And it and and it you cannot help but smile. When you watch, you know the, the the teaser or the actual promo for the film. I mean, it just you know even looking back on it, going, we were all you know it was a ruse. We were all duped. It was still you know still fantastic. That's not a knife. That's a knife. I think I think also I mean like the APAC one with the Bucketheads campaign for KSC. All of these things draw you in. Um, as consumers, I mean, the buckethead obviously is a bit more, um, uh, I suppose, involved in in sticking KFC buckets on your head at the cricket and creating a, a buckethead army against the Barmy army. Uh, but but they've all got that sense of intrigue and magic and involvement. Yeah, and, and what I, one of the things I like about that is so simple, right? I mean, come on, putting a bucket on your head, that's not new. Yeah, but actually in this context for what it symbolises and what you can show by wanting to do that and having a brand involved in that engagement, that again is is, is quite so simple and yet quite a sophisticated thing. Mike, the one I was going to ask you about, which was the Swan Insurance, the inconvenience stores. Now you're a you're a bike rider. Yes. Uh, how did that grab you? Look, it was it was it was a great piece around um, around supporting what people want to do in terms of you know getting on their bike and 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 doesn't matter how long the journey is. A minute on a bike is better than ten minutes in a car, and it just perfectly, I think, you know, encapsulated that. 
The other piece there in the news was around, you know, $23 billion business that is ad fraud. I mean, that is just a, a, a astonishing number in a relatively short amount of time. It's true, and it's a big number, and there's been other studies that says it's closer to 5 or $6 billion, but they're still massive numbers. And I was going to ask you, Mike, I mean, it's a space that, uh, you know, the, the, the digital side of things has been a space you've been heavily involved in. I mean, how, how is this fraud um, coming about? What, what are they doing? It's just so easy to um, synthetically generate an audience. You know, I can I can build a bot that can bash away at an ad or bash away at a at a at a download or whatever it is. So the ability to synthetically um, manipulate the results of a campaign is is actually relatively you know um, easy to do. I mean, you know, it's fantastic examples of of click farms in you know parts of the world where there are literally racks of iPhones and 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 iPads and all sorts of devices running through downloading apps cycling through, opening the app, performing functions, closing the app, and that's just generating, you know, actual results for people. And that's just, you know, the, the ability to, to dupe, you know, the results of anything um, synthetically is always going to be um, a challenge. Um, and in the digital space, it's, you know, it, it, it's it's harder than ever. I think for me, there are, there are two problems. It's not clear yet. Um, whose responsibility it is to provide a solution yeah, to this increasing problem? Because it's only going to increase. It's not going to decrease. Um, and, and the second problem yeah, is that, that given that regulators don't seem to be able to be effective in this space, yeah, given that self-regulation yeah, 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 seems not to be particularly effective, then we're reliant on, on a third form of regulation, and that is whistleblowing. And and of course the Cambridge Analytica was was only came to light because of a whistleblower, and and so these recent calls for a whistleblower's charter to be more protected in certain spaces. Uh, I think uh, here we have a case where actually the only way this can probably be addressed is through a whistleblowing mechanism. And yet, yet, yet that seems like a long shot given how difficult it is for whistleblowers to get protection. Yeah, it, it's and, and the other thing we don't want is, is as much as um, I think, you know, the, the Facebooks and the Googles of the world, I, I've just, I've got a real problem with there being this sort of government intervention around how these you know um, platforms are being um, you know managed and and uh, regulated um, I just wonder if you know that 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 goes too far the other way so it's a it's a very very difficult world to um, to navigate now I've been lucky enough to know our next guest for over 30 years back to our days as marketing students at Monash University. Tracy Elford is one of Australia's most successful marketers of the last two decades. She spent the majority of that time overseas in major roles with Walmart, Cadbury and Shell in Singapore, France, the UK and now the US. And in 2017, Tracy became the global CEO for the EFIs, our industry's preeminent marketing communications effectiveness awards operating in close to 50 countries. It's been an incredible journey, a journey that's still going strong and one that we're very keen to discuss with Tracy here on the Marketing Commute. Tracy, thanks for joining us. My absolute pleasure. Now, it's been an incredible journey. Growing up in country Victoria, did you ever imagine this was the path you'd go down? To be honest, when you're growing up, I don't think you really think about um, where you're going to land at any point in time. But I can categorically say that my 
my experiences have definitely from that time um, helped informed my career path decisions. So growing up in a very small town, um, one of the first things I wanted to do was explore the world and hence that has led to, to me having a very global career. And what kick-started your marketing career? So when I went to university, I actually, I had many choices. So I, I got accepted to do chemical engineering, then I looked at law. But what I particularly liked about the marketing function was it was a combination of my ability to do what I love, which is my science part of my brain, so the analytical part of the brain, but also the ability to leverage um, creativity. And I think ultimately, as I went through my degree um, and out into my profession, it has allowed me to do both of those things, which which I enjoy. Now, I'm assuming along the way there's been a few forks in the road. Um, what, what were some of the things that helped you decide which direction to take? Definitely forks in the road. So I think, you know, when I started off, I had a vision. I think, as I said earlier on, I definitely wanted an international career. Absolutely no, no doubt about that. But in terms of, and the balance between being able to be creative as well as the, the sort of analytics was very strong. And that was really the only parameters. Um, and I was fortunate enough, um, very young in my career, to have the opportunity to, to come to the United States. And I think that was kind of my first point where I enjoyed it. I actually didn't do marketing. I went to the sales force. So that was also another binding thing that if you want to have a career in marketing, marketing is one of those things that it's very encompassing. And so testing and trialing things at different points um, are very important. The globalization plus doing different things at different points are, are, are really key. You mentioned obviously going overseas and that role originally was with Walmart. Um, what what was that time when the brakes were taken off your career and it really started to take off, it really started to accelerate? So I think my first time where I kind of thought, well, was when, so I'd, I'd done the US role, I came back to Oz, I was basically spending a lot of time in Singapore, I was doing an Asia Pac role, and then my, I was very fortunate, you've got to have a great mentor um, and a great leader, and mine happened to move to Europe. So as a result of that, I applied for a job um, based in Paris, and it was the first time I think I'd been given the full scope of of being able to see the metrics of a combination of countries, which in this case happened to be Europe, Africa, and the Middle East, combined with four different categories, which when I was at Cabri happened to be lollies slash sweets, um, gum, uh, chocolate, and we also had another category, which which was a, a beverage part of the arm as well. And I think that was the first time where I go, it doesn't get any better than this. It's a combination of many different touch points. It's incredibly complex. It's very interesting. And you're able to do it with some really talented people. I think that was that was the time where I thought, you know, this is, it doesn't get any better than this. Tracy, um, we often need mentors to help us with our career directions. Uh, who have yours been and, and how have they helped? I think I've, had a com- I've been incredibly lucky to work with some really smart and talented people, but I think I could probably narrow it down to two, 
key people um, of which I've both had the opportunity to work for. So one happened to be my managing director when I was based in Australia and he went on to be the CEO of um, a big hotel chain. He's now in private equity and he put um, enormous amount of faith in me and I think one of the key principles of what he taught me was he allowed me to fail. Um, and I don't think there's any better mentor than help guide you through that, but also allow you. So he was my boss at one point in time. Then once he left the business and went on to other, other things, um, I still stayed in contact. The other person was actually a female, very open, very supportive while she happened to be in the business. And she's gone on to basically run her business and do many other things. But I, I think... I think they're absolutely important, but I would say to the audience, there's, I think there's a delineation between being a mentor and being a sponsor. So those two people sponsored me while I was in the business that we're both in, and they've also gone on to mentor me from an external perspective, and I think everybody needs a combination of both. So if you were teaching someone to drive their marketing career, uh, what would be your first few lessons? incredibly successful people need to be really brave they've got to be courageous and that's just not your internal businesses but with your partners your age all the people that you work with in your ecosystem and as a result of that you've got to be prepared to fail i can categorically tell you that the biggest lessons i have learned in my career were the ones where i've made mistakes um they're painful but they're also incredibly powerful learning experiences um and so i would encourage everybody to do that and i think linked to that second thing the big thing is that no matter how smart you are um and how good at what you do is that you need you need people who think differently behave differently and can support you so i'm a huge huge believer in diversity of teams and diversity of thinking and it's very unlikely that you as an individual have the answers nor the people in your organisation will as well. I, I want to talk, you know, in your current role as a CEO of the EFIs, um, there's obviously some fantastic campaigns that are going through and being rewarded. And you've been up close even in your career pre the EFIs at places like Cadbury to some of, you know, the most major campaigns we've seen, uh, one of which was Cadbury's guerrilla campaign. And I'm always interested in some of these great campaigns. You hear stories about they don't quite make it uh, on air the way that they were intended or other great ideas actually never see the light of day. I mean, what, what was your recollection from back there uh, around that idea and, and, and how it came to life? I think the first thing is you need to be incredibly clear on what you want to achieve. If you don't go in with that, I think it's, 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 it's incredibly difficult. Like anything, you know, mining the right insight. And in that instance, if we're going to talk about the guerrilla campaign, that was all built around the insight of happiness. And what the biggest challenge around that particular instance was that, you know, we, we, we weren't a PNG, but we also, but we did have a formula around how we developed um, campaigns. So to, it, was a, it was a massive leap of faith to walk in and say to senior management, we've got this insight and happiness. That's not terribly radical by any stretch of the imagination that there's emotional connection with Cabrini. It's about the glass half full rather than the glass half empty. When 
you know, friction sort of really starts to hit the road is when you say, oh, by the way, we're not going to show any product shots. And, it, and I know this is slightly dated, <laughs> and, but, but now um, that's probably less significant. But at the time, that was, that was quite significant. So by the way, we're going to put a man in a suit. He's going to be a gorilla. He's going to be playing to a slightly semi-old-fashioned <laughs> tune. And we're going to, by the way, and we're going to sell more chocolate out of that. So, so it, is, it is quite a leap of faith. But you've got, at some point in time, you've got to, if you genuinely believe, and this is my, going back to my point about being brave and courageous, is that if you, if you genuinely back it, you've got to go in. So clearly, you've got to be able to tell a story. That's, as marketeers, if you can't tell a story externally, you absolutely must be able to tell a story internally to get your ideas through. But, you know, it, it, it's tough and, it, and it's difficult. So I would say you've got to have some faith and take the risk and also be very clear, you know, this may or may not work, but if it's executedly brilliantly, which in this case it was, you know, we're going to do something that no one else has ever done before. And if you do that, that's when you get extraordinary results. Tracy, was there a plan B for the gorilla? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Well, that, that, now that is brave. <laughs> so I think we kind of, we've kind of reached this point and we had so much sort of, it was so, and again, I know this is in context of, you know, a time frame, but it was so unique to the category that, you know, there was only two parts involved. We were only, we were going to go make it happen and get extraordinary results or it was going to fail. And, and, and just to give you a little bit of, you know, insider track, at that point in time we were dealing with the chairman who also didn't believe that animals should be associated with food. So, so putting all of that in the mix, you've just, uh, my advice to anyone is that you've just, if you genuinely believe in it, you take the risk and in this instance it paid off. But sometime, you know, I can, and I'm not going to talk about it now, but there are a number of times where that is not the case. But I think ultimately, as marketeers, we believe in ideas. We believe in the power of the data that sits behind those ideas and the ability to sell them internally than externally. And if you if you really crack that sweet spot between the science and the art, you know, it, it, you will get extraordinary results. And, you know, we've just, at FEs, we've just celebrated our 50th. And, you know, I think of, you know, the Apples and the Nikes and extraordinary campaigns and they will talk about their failures too but you know you if you do it correctly you'll get more wins than you won't just just on the effies we obviously recently saw the winners announced in the in the u.s and in apac um yep. and some amazing campaigns that were rewarded what, what were some of the common themes and common paths that th those uh, marketers and brands took in those campaigns i think there's some really interesting things so i think if you look at like they really understand their business context incredibly well they have the ability to mind extraordinary insights. They execute brilliantly, but they're really, really clear on their objectives. So, you know, none of, well, not all of them, but most of them have only really two strategic. So I'm not talking about like tactical, like touch points, et cetera, like really, they're really clear on what they want to achieve. And then I think there's some behavioral things, which I think they've all been incredibly brave. You can get, good results but to get exceptional results you really you have to be brave um the other thing which i think is really interesting so we did after we kind of 
announced the, um, particularly those who'd excelled in the last 50 years, we took some analysis and so the Apples and Nikes and IBMs um, and Dove all had partnerships were, which were very resilient, which I think goes back to my much, much earlier point that um, don't think that you can do everything yourself because diversity of ideas, diversity of thinking is also, I think, very critical in the mix to success as well. Tracy, looking down the road, the future of marketing, um, do you think marketing as a practice is heading in the right direction? That's quite a complex question. <laughs> Simple but complex. <laughs> um, marketing is a very complex and very diverse. So I think we've got this sort of, we're at this cross point where people are asking marketeers to be incredibly depth and having very, very deep skills, but we're also asking them to be very broad. So which is a combination of, I think, the demands between long and short term on businesses that um, individuals work with. And I think cracking that's really important. So I do think the number one thing is my advice would be don't be distracted by shiny new toys. I think the high-line strategic stuff that we've always done remains incredibly relevant. The way it's been executed has fundamentally changed. But if you don't have your CFO sitting right beside you along that journey so they can understand it and you don't balance as a CMO between, you know, your DC versus your strategic, you will also have challenges. The best marketeers that we see are the marketing people that can do the long-term brand strategic planning and do really great short-term strategic brand acquisition. And I think if you can combine both of those, you know, the future is absolutely ours. If you get distracted one way or the other, you have the potential to not have a seat at the table, which is what is key. Tracy, it's been incredible to uh, listen to you talk about not just what great marketing looks like today, but what it might look like in the future, and also hear about your journey on the way to a, a hugely successful career, the mentors you've had, what you've learned along the way, the lessons you've taken. It's been incredible. Um, thanks for joining us so much on The Marketing Commute. Thank you. Thank you so much. So this week's Marketing Minute yeah, uh, follows on from what Tracy was talking about, yeah, about the complexity of yeah, the modern marketer and the demands that have been placed on them, both in terms of being deep and yeah, ha having breadth. And it's called 10 Principles of Modern Marketing. Yeah, it's yeah, from Sloan Management Review, and uh, it just came out in April. So what's not changed yeah, in terms of the 10 principles? Number one, value creation, communication, and delivery still rule. Perceived value creation yeah, is not only necessary, yeah, but it's not a sufficient condition for marketing success. Value must also be effectively and efficiently communicated and delivered. Number two, don't try and do it alone. Use collaborations. That's not changed. Number three, creativity remains king and emotional hooks in marketing remain necessary. Four, technology is just the first step. To fully realise the potential of technology, it takes transformation across people, processes as well as technology. And five, connect with customers, both online and offline. So what are the things that have changed that this article argues? Number six is experience is the new brand and the new competitive battlefield. This means yeah, it's required to create powerful 
differentiation from competitors by curating every customer touchpoint, both online and offline. An example might be Fitbit that uses social media and the support of strong community in addition to telephone, email and chat support to impart, collect information and enhance product usage. What else it argues has changed is a new type of customer brand relationship, which is always on, symbiotic and immersive, providing continuous feedback and listening to co-create value. Now, marketers don't always have to do what customers say they should do, but if they don't, there is now an onus that they need to tell customers why they don't. Number eight, yeah, is data testing being the new lifeblood. So we all know companies like Amazon, Capital One, Netflix and Pandora famously run thousands of tests to optimise their marketing effort. In fact, a recent McKinsey & Co. research report showed that companies that successfully manage to integrate both creativity and data reported two-time difference in revenue growth. Number nine, have a bigger purpose. Do good to fuel both employee recruitment and engagement internally, as well as emotionally connecting customers to the brand. And finally, number 10, marketing leadership has changed, with the future of the chief marketing officer also being the chief customer officer, the chief experience officer, and the chief growth officer, which links to Tracy's point about how complicated the future of marketing director's job has become. So, gentlemen, that seems a lot for marketing directors to take on. Um, really raises the question for me about how best to organise the marketing team to deliver on some of these 10 ideas. Uh, which one struck a chord with you as being most important? I think for me that one around data and testing, and it was something we did talk to Tracy about as well, that, that, that you know, there's a combination required now between marketing science as well as the marketing fundamentals and bringing those two together and, and having those teams work uh, as one rather as two separate units uh, and I think that's a that's a something that a lot of marketing departments are grappling with still for me I, I the last point because it was um, around the the marketing leadership having changed and it was a point that Tracy made in the in the interview that uh, you know the CMO and the CFO needing to be you know joined at the hip now this might sound you know every day to day but the CFO has never played I don't think as big a role as as, as, as he or she has in the past and it really needs to be you know something that businesses on both sides of the marketing angle um, need to consider yeah I, I think this question of if you take some of these your 10 responsibilities when we're organizing the marketing function not only internally who's going to take charge of these but also which are best done externally yet yeah, yeah, through agencies through partnerships etc that makes this job of managing an effective marketing function yeah, in a new age moving forward it's incredibly complex, mm. right? Yeah, and I, I, I just yeah, struggle to see how, how any one human being could potentially do that. So I would not be applying for any marketing director positions anytime soon because it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for this leg of the journey on the marketing commute. We want to say thanks to Tracy Alford, the global CEO of the Effies, for a fantastic chat today. We also want to thank Boyd Britton, our producer, the studios here at the Sydney University Business School, as well as Professor Vince Mitchell, Andrew Billy Baxter, and I'm Mike Boyd. We'll see you next time on the Marketing Commute. 
You have reached your destination.